Hello and welcome to Film Inquiries, the latest. This is a podcast series tackling the latest movie news, movie trends, and movie releases. I'm your host, Jesse Nussman. And on the other line, swag surfing with the broccoli man through the quantum realm, it's Daniel Fungold. Love the broccoli man. Wish I could have a drink with him. Can he drink? I wonder what that whole process is. I have a lot of questions about the Broccoli Man that we'll get into here in a little bit. Uh, Daniel, you are here because we are discussing Ant-Man Quantumania. Oh, shoot. I I still can't get the title right. It's Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Uh, Man, I thought after all these weeks I was going to like finally get that right. Doesn't doesn't exactly practicing. roll off the tongue. No, because I've been calling it like Ant Man into the Quantum Verse and like Ant Ant Man like Quantum Leap or something. Um, but alas, um, Daniel, this is kind of the first really big blockbuster of 2023. It is ushering in a new phase in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Sort of the the big kickoff movie to their Phase Five lineup um side note do do you ever just get the weird feeling like i'm i'm almost at this point with marvel like when i'm talking about these like phases and stuff like i almost feel like it's less i feel like i'm talking about a product launch you know what i mean like i feel like i'm talking about like the next iphone coming out like like it feels weird to be like oh yeah, the next like, it's not even talking like the next season of this. It's just sort of like, I think because we call it phase, like it feels like something that just like someone's pointing to on a marketing board. I mean, it's, it essentially is that at it, this I point. I mean, it is that. Yeah, it's, it's just he, enjoy this enjoy this product. Please <laughs> please enjoy a series of these products. <laughs> so this is kind of a, a, a big movie for, for Disney and, and for Marvel. Um, I think notably coming after phase four which i i would say even beyond you and i i would say that the sort of general consensus around like the last couple years of marvel movies has been you know mixed to say the least do you think that's probably the most accurate term to 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 say kind of lukewarm at best yeah especially when you when you throw in the dozen or so Disney Plus series they've had as well, yeah. which which I guess counts as part of the MC or as part of the Phase Four right. of Marvel. Um, it's weird yeah, to think mid. we got we've gotten in in the last two years we've gotten six movies and like eight TV shows, which may be lo- counting low. I think it may actually is it eight or is it? I more? think it's eight because because okay. because I'm gonna try and r- rattle these oh, off off the top of my head. So like the shows, um, the. What's the Vision Scarlet Witch show? WandaVision. WandaVision. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, there was Loki. There was the Hawkeye show, which I did not watch. There was What If, if we're counting that. Mm-hmm. There's uh, Moon Knight, which you and I like to periodically joke about. Um, there was the She-Hulk show. Uh, Miss Marvel. And I think that's it. Was it. Did you say Falcon Winter Soldier? I did say that. Okay. And then in the movies, we obviously got, like, in 2021, got Shang-Chi, Black Widow, Spider-Man in the Spider-Verse, and then last year got Doctor Strange 2, Black Panther 2, and... You mean Spider-Man No Way Home? Yes. Right? Okay. Uh, 
what else was last year? It's not great. Oh, oh, it was Thor. It was Thor, the bad Thor right. movie. Oh, Thor, and then, Love and Thunder. And then there was uh, Eternals too. How how could we forget about all of our our friends, the Eternals, who we talk about constantly? So so maybe not not six movies, seven movies. Just too much. Too, <laughs> too well. It it's not that it, I mean it is too much, but it's not just that it's too much. It's that it's too much of like nothing. Mm-hmm. And not to say that all of those movies and all of those TV shows are bad. It's just that a lot of them were sputtering. A lot of mm-hmm. this was Marvel spinning its wheels. Phase four really didn't feel like it led up to anything mm-hmm. other than Jonathan Majors, which is a huge plus. But which, which even then, as we'll kind of get into this movie, this feels more like the launching pad exactly. to that. I think phase four, I mean, th- this, this, this almost needs to be our, like, we're going to put the nail in the coffin on talking about phase four, which I feel like you and I do on this podcast all the time whenever you're on. But it, it sort of felt like cross-pollinating content as opposed to sort of the the kind of like let's build the pieces for like the next several years of storytelling if that makes sense i think the last time i was on this podcast we were doing kind of our year in review and you asked what what i was looking forward to going forward and i don't remember if i phrased it as i was looking forward to the end of phase four or the beginning of phase five uh let me tell you phase five not starting out much better than phase four yeah and you like this movie more than i do in the sense that like i you at least walked out and i think we're like i mean not to totally put words in your mouth but i feel like you walked out of this and were like i don't know that i enjoyed that movie but i'm like excited to see like where it goes next Whereas I feel like I walked out and was having like a borderline existential crisis of like, do I not want to watch these movies anymore? Yes. So I I would not say I like this movie more than you. I would say I didn't dislike this movie as much as you. That's fair. Because you really, you really tolerated dis- this movie more yeah, than I did. You really, really hate it. And I'm just like not at the point where I would put it in like my bottom three of MCU mm-hmm. movies. Which I don't even know if it is bottom three of MCU movies or if I've just sort of like past the point of just sort of like, I, I can invest in this stuff anymore. And we'll maybe kind of get into that. Um, I guess maybe the next place for us to talk about is this as an Ant-Man movie, which is, is kind of unusual because I feel like the Ant-Man as a character played by, Paul Rudd and the the sort of solo Ant-Man movies, you know, traditionally in the the Marvel cinematic universe has been kind of these they're they're almost like these little palate cleansers. You know, they're kind of like the the sorbet that you have like between courses at like a really fancy wedding or or dinner to kind of kind of cleanse after a a very like hefty Avengers movie or something like that. They're they're very breezy and and much more like light and comedic and aren't necessarily like building block pieces to the to like the big overarching story but this one really is meant to be kind of like a big major tentpole movie um i'm just kind of we don't have to spend too much time on it but what kind of like your feelings on this sort of pocket of the marvel universe like are do you do you dislike the Ant-Man movies? Do you 
like them a lot because I, I feel like this is kind of I feel like people like Paul Rudd in this role, but as far as like do they like him as like the center of his own movie? I feel like even amongst people who watch a lot of Marvel movies, it's a little bit divisive about whether they like him as like a standalone character, if that makes sense. Yeah, I really like the Ant-Man character. I I think Paul Rudd is great. Uh, I Clueless was a very important movie in my upbringing and uh, still looks exactly the same as he did in Clueless, obviously. Um how old is he now? He's like fifty six or something he's, like he's, that. He's getting up there. He has a he has a kid who doesn't look like a day old, over thirty five. Yeah, I don't know if you if you saw his because he's a, he's a Chiefs fan and the Kansas City Chiefs just won the the Super Bowl. His son was being interviewed with Paul Rudd next uh-huh. to him, and his mannerisms exactly sounds exactly the same. The manner he doesn't like look he doesn't really look like Paul, but when he talks, mm-hmm. he looks exactly like okay. him. Okay. Um. So that said, he's he's getting up. He he has a son that uh, that like. Possibly he's old enough that like we could be friends with. Um, so does he want to be on the podcast? Might as well send out those feelers. All right. Worst he could say is no. I guess so. Um. So yeah, I I really I've enjoyed the first two Ant Man Ant Men movies Ant Man movies Ant Men and and Wasp, Wasp movies. Yeah. Because the first one was just Ant Man. Second right. one was Ant Man and the Wasp. Wasp. Did it have a subtitle? Uh, no, a I think sub- it was just Ant Man and Wasp. And this was Ant Man and Wasp: Colon Quantumania. Even though I think I would argue there's not a whole lot of Evangeline Lilly as Wasp in this movie. Arguably less than the first two movies, right? Um, and yeah, it was just it was always an odd decision to introduce the next big bad. To properly in, in the MCU, not for stepping aside from Loki in the in the in the movie verse of all of mm-hmm. this, to introduce him and raise the stakes in an Ant Man movie. Not that Paul Rudd can't do it, Mm-mm. but it's it's it is not what we're used to from Ant Man movies. Yeah, and we are now taking what is ostensibly a kind of very supporting character in mm-hmm. these comic books and in the in the movie franchise, and making him the next kind of Iron Man, Captain America level of Mm. Avenger in terms of importance. And they're doing the same kind of with, with Dr. Strange, Benedict Cumberbatch, because these are the guys that are still around and will, are going to see this thing through this next phase. That's even a more like direct comparison of like my, like almost criticism of the Dr. Strange character is that almost feels like they're, they've kind of like, engineered benedict it kind of feels like they're engineering benedict cumberbatch to just like i don't know can you just be downy oh they're not engineering they are they, that, that's that's not they're not kind of that's 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 what's going on you you yes that that's what's happening just have all downy's mannerisms and be the like snarky ones saying kid, like saying kid all the yeah. time like yeah basically um yeah i i think the first two i really like paul rudd in this this role and i really like this character even though this was not like a Marvel character that I spent much time with, like as a kid when I was like, I think we've talked about, it. I was more of a like Spider-Man X-Men. That was kind of the areas of the Marvel universe I was more into growing up. But, um, you know, I, I really like Paul Rudd in this role. I think I maybe like him better as like the comedic relief in, I like this character, like in contrast to some of the other Marvel superhero characters as opposed to like 
when he has to be the like leading man of his own movie. But um, you know, even those first two Ant Man movies, I I think they're kind of great airplane movies, if you know what I mean. Like charming and entertaining and a good way to kill two hours, but they're like two of the Marvel movies that I sometimes have trouble remembering like so what happens in that one and what's the plot of of it and uh, da, 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 da. that's well it's also kind of the refreshing thing about them is that they're not ultimately that important right that's why i sort of like described them as to kind of like the sorbet you eat yeah. in like a you know a big like banquet or something like that like they're they're usually just sort of meant to be like oh here's the the sort of light little why are you going to all these sorbet events i want to these, these have you never that, like had that at all? Oh, I have, before? but I'm just saying, just... if you're, if you, I, I feel like, am I missing out on events in Atlanta that you're going to? No, no, no. I'm just saying, like most of the weddings I've been to have have been like, here's the the thing to, to cleanse you before the next meal or something like the, that. The last wedding I went to was black tie optional, it was very fancy, uh huh, and no sorbet. There was ice cream. There was ice cream, which was nice. But no sorbet, so we got to find some sorbet locations. Is, is ice cream an underutilized aspect of wedding meals? That, yes, that people should. Yes, okay. Th- that should be like should people just have Sunday bars at this point instead of cakes, or instead of chicken or fish, you decide like, do I want ice cream or sand or uh, <laughs> ice, ice cream <laughs> or sor- ice cream or sorbet or cake? Like that I should feel, be. The I menu feel like option. the ice cream or cake that like what if. Can we do ice cream cakes? I feel like now oh, we're yeah, now too. we're getting on a tangent of I feel like this is like a cousin to my like we need to we need to be more creative with wedding playlists. Like we mm, need to that too. We need to be more creative with like wedding desserts. The last wedding I was at was lovely. No, no, not to them. The the ice cream was great. I had some. Okay. Um I'm gonna try my best to kind of describe this movie, um, which I feel like is something I'm constantly saying every time we do a, a Marvel episode of just sort of like asking the guests, like, can you hit the, the theoretical buzzer if I get a detail wrong? Because this is all stuff that I feel like as you're watching it, you're like, um, if you say so. And but like when I have to like describe it on mic, it, it sounds strange. So opening this movie in the years since Avengers Endgame. Uh, Ant Man played by Paul Rudd and uh, Wasp played by Evangeline Lilly. Their lives are going great. She's this like successful scientist. He is has written this book, this very like funny memoir, not like unintentionally funny memoir about his life as a superhero. Um, and they hang out with the previous Ant Man and Wasp played by Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer. Um, Ant-Man, a.k.a. Uh, Scott Lang's uh, teenage daughter, is getting into some trouble, played played by one of one of your favorite up-and-coming actresses. Catherine Newton, Big Little yeah. Lies. Yeah. And Supernatural, which I never saw. But and um, I think she's like... Blockers? Yeah. Was think, she in that? Yeah, I think she is she like I think she's like a college student who's like an activist in this in this movie. Is she uh, essentially something an activist? Like something that. like that. Yeah. You know, she she's she's doing her progressive like gotta gotta help out people fight back against the man and everything. Right, 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 right. right. So that's kind of the the 
the loose sort of family dynamic that that we're introduced to at the beginning of this movie but she has been toying around with the uh kind of pim particle technology that uh michael douglas's character invented that kind of powers the ant-man suit and makes things sort of shrink and or blow up to enormous sizes and she has been sending a signal down to the quantum realm this sort of like microverse within our universe um that we get hints of in the other ant-man movies and obviously like it becomes like a component with all the time travel stuff in avengers endgame and pretty soon uh all of our characters are sort of sucked down into the quantum realm and that's where we spend a majority of our time is in this like alien mini verse within our universe that's populated by all of these creatures and various like <laughs> like Maz Eisley cantina collage of like weird alien non-human things um i'm like struggling to, to to what is the correct term i should use to to describe all of them something um, you'd seen in a rick and morty episode that's that's pretty dead on um and once they get there michelle pfeiffer's character is obviously fearful of something that is down in the quantum realm eventually about midway through the movie we we learn it is the the next big bad supervillain um of the marvel universe kang the conqueror who uh, audiences that watch the Loki series were introduced to, played by Jonathan Majors. This is obviously his big theatrical debut, uh, and is being kind of set up uh, to be kind of kind of the next Thanos, like the next sort of overarching villain that'll appear in several of these movies and eventually have to face off against the Avengers. Uh, do you have kind of a, a simple way to maybe describe this character for for listeners? He. Well, there's like unlimited, un- an unknown amount of variance of him right. throughout space and time. He's sort of like a, a multiverse time traveling being that a, a large part of his mythology is is kind of like there's, because there's infinite universes, there's infinite versions of him. And so some are less evil or more evil than others. Right. Um, and th- and this, ver- this variant is different than the one from Loki. Right. Though it, it is... It still, it still looks like Jonathan Majors. Right. It is Jonathan Majors. Um, but Kang the Conqueror, this one in particular, is going from multiverse mm-hmm. through multiverse, universe, galaxy, whatever, and just conquering and destroying different mm-hmm. Earths and different existence, different species, yes, um, different humanities, and he has uh, he's gotten stuck in in the quantum realm. Yeah. So this brings up first two things I want I, w- I want to talk about um I think we should first talk about Jonathan Majors because I think the one thing you and I both agree on from a positive standpoint that I think maybe saved this movie a little bit more for you than it did for me is is Jonathan Majors in this role who I think we both agree is kind of the highlight of the movie I think he is one of the more interesting actors we have at the moment um whether you watched him on uh Lovecraft Country, that that short-lived HBO show he was on, or I first saw him in. Um, did you ever see Last Black Man in San Francisco? No, actually, I have a. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I mean he's he's. I just remember like seeing him in that movie. Be like that that guy's like a really interesting actor and has this kind of like, I, this sort of unusual, very specific presence to him that is nonetheless like 
he's not as intimidating in that movie as he is obviously like here or you know tomorrow night you and i are going to go see the 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 creed sequel that he is the villain in, in um and he was just in this movie at sundance where he was like a bodybuilder um but i don't know he's he's much more kind of like quiet and sort of awkward in last black man in san francisco but it it's nonetheless is like one of those performances where you're like that that guy's like really interesting and like has his own very unique specific like screen presence to him and like i hope i see him in more stuff and it's been fun to like over the last several years um he was also in the spike lee movie a couple years ago just to see him like pop up and stuff be like oh yeah i'm really glad this guy's getting roles and stuff like that um do you, what what did you think about him kind of stepping in as the next big bad in the the marvel universe we referenced earlier like what what i was saying as we left mm-hmm. the theater uh to literally quote myself, I, I believe verbatim, I said, I asked you, is Jonathan Majors the greatest actor alive? And I was saying it like half jokingly, but also kind of half serious. The point being, for me at least, he made the movie watchable. Right. And it just like, beyond that, he's just really, he's really, really good. Right. Um, and he, again, kind of playing off of what you were saying earlier and contrasting our, how we feel or where we stand on the movie and, and the MCU going forward, his performance and the character and the idea that we are going to see more of Kang going forward was enough to keep me invested. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't just really about, okay, well... He was really good in the movie, and that was enough to like save the movie from being kind of a disaster for me. It was mm-hmm. also the hope of what's next to come when we get the Avengers back together, and when we have a kind of a, a bigger movie that Kang or variants of him feel more appropriate in tonally, mm-hmm. because he just the character does. Does it, it always was weird, like I said, it always was weird that they were going to introduce Kang the Conqueror in Ant-Man. Mm-hmm. And it was weird in theory, and on paper, definitely still weird. Yeah, it's, I kind of get the, I get the idea of it in just sort of like, from the standpoint of like, what if we kind of sneak the next, like, really huge Thanos-level villain into a movie where you're not expecting you know him to show up um but i i think that's maybe undercut a little bit about like that was the whole build-up to this movie is like this is the one where like this whole storyline is really going to kick off in and and i do agree with you there's sort of this like weird tonal shift that's happening in the movie between some of the more kind of like light-hearted very silly comedic ant-man stuff and then, like, whenever Majors is on screen, you know, it is a little bit of that, like, classic, like, oh, you're, like, way overqualified for this performance <laughs> sort of thing of, like, I you're, I don't even know if it's so much, like, he's great in the role as just sort of, like, you know, it's it's like watching, like, Patrick Stewart, like, step into, like, uh, or, like, a, any great Shakespearean actor, like, take on any kind of, like, goofy fantasy or, like, sci-fi material and is able to just sort of, like, spin kind of nonsense into, like, really cr- really compelling prose and and this really, like, gripping serious performance on, on screen. That's kind of what Jonathan Majors is doing here. And so, yeah, there is that, like, bizarre 
like I feel like whenever he enters into the movie, I don't think it's a spoiler to say like enters in about midway through the tone of the movie, like really drastically changes from like very, as, as we said, like ma- not even manic, but just like very silly and like lighthearted to and whimsical to like, oh, this is all of a sudden like there's very, very high level like life and death stakes going on here. Right. You have Ant-Man doing kind of his light family sarcasm mm-hmm. shtick and then Kang is like, I will murder your daughter in front of you on loop until you beg me to also kill you. Right. And it's like, oh, oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> and it's a fact, like, I believe everything Jonathan Majors is saying. Mm-hmm. It's just so, it's so totally weird and, mm-hmm. and off. And yeah. I don't know what, uh, certainly looking through the the movies that we've, we, we got in phase four, I don't know what other place they would have introduced him in or, or to put him as the foil yeah. to what other character. Maybe the Doctor Strange character. But even then, I think that seems like uh, a character to like, level up to like well he was obviously able to defeat ant-man or what which spoiler non-spoiler like doesn't really happen in this movie but you know it i i could see them maybe wanting to save a more quote-unquote like powerful character for like oh we need to we want to build up to like show people how intense this person is to the point where like we need the whole avengers team to to come in i uh, if the only thing that I am maybe sort of like remotely interested if if I am to continue with this 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 movie experiment is you know the idea of someone as gifted as majors being able to like I can kind of play like an infinite amount of characters under the umbrella of one character like we'll be playing this this villain in several more Marvel movies but because the whole idea of this character is like the Avengers are going to be encountering like different variations of him from other variant universes. Like that gives, that's exciting to give someone as talented as majors sort of like the opportunity to like, you can kind of make it a different performance in each movie or even like have different versions of yourself that are different performances in the same movie. And that's, that's kind of fun to think about, I suppose. On the flip side, how are you feeling about the fact that we are seemingly just going to exist in the multiverse for forever now, whether that's apparently MC Marvel or DC, the flash movie, like, oh, yeah. it, like we, they, they went to space. They did all that mm-hmm. fast nine. They also went to space. So maybe now they're going to do multiverses. I don't know. Stay tuned. Um, now it just seems we're like we're in this endless loop. No pun intended. It, considering all the the loops going on in in Ant-Man and all these other movies is how 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 do you feel about the possibility of us just existing in this liminal stage from now on of at any point mm-hmm. like the stakes are so high yet do does anything actually matter yeah i think i think that's a you know dental floss thin line that all of this stuff has to go on is like the if you're going to do multiversal storytelling like do the fun thing of like it's all of it and like like any any possibility is possible 
the movie could turn into any style or any genre at any point. You could go as you you know thinking about maybe like uh you know the two best examples of this from like recent pop culture of like the the animated Spider Man movie and then everything everywhere all at once where it's just like just embrace the like giant messiness of it but i think then the deathly line of that that you're bringing up is like if they tip into like we can undo things and bring back people that maybe like have all you know like the the talks of like can we bring back robert downey jr even though he died in the last avengers movie like you don't want to play around in the the aspect of the pool that is sort of like if we can just undo stuff then all of a sudden there's no stakes well they undid the snap yes. by going through with all the ant-man quantum mm-hmm. physics and now we're kind of setting ourselves up to say that cuz then you have the people who are like quote unquote really dead mm-hmm. like black widow and Iron Man and Captain America has aged and he he has I, I assume has since passed. Um yes. so but like though or Loki uh, Loki yeah. he, he is he is properly dead. Mm-hmm. Or are they? And I don't know if I trust and like why why would they why would they hold back? Why would Kevin Feige mm-hmm. say, "Oh, we're not going to bring back Scarlett Johansson if the yeah. situation is right. We're not going to bring back Rob." Like, of course they're going to, but then right. that opens up to like, well, why weren't they back the entire time? Like, why yeah. did why did Peter Parker it's, not say, "I want Iron Man back. I want Iron Man back. I'm going to get Tony." Yeah, it's it's the it's it's just going to come down to like what what choices you're making. And like you know the Iron Man example that we're doing of like. If you're going to say, like, we're going to have Iron Man in a movie knowing that, like, maybe the better choice for, like, is, like, oh, it's an Iron Man from a different universe that's played by a different actor or something like that. As opposed to, like, we're bringing back Downey Jr. as Iron Man and then all of a sudden it's like, well, then what was the point of us sort of saying goodbye to him in you know, that other movie and having it be both this, like, saying goodbye to that character while also saying goodbye to this actor that's been a part of these movies for, for 10 years and stuff like that. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's you're bringing up a good point of, like, it's this, you know, this complicated thing that they're going to have to be careful about weaving through to sort of just not make this stuff... uh kind of not matter when you when you when you think about it because they, they already kind of did it with loki i know the, right. the the timeline of that is is a little bit warped but mm-hmm. it's like once they once the seal is broken mm-hmm. everything kind of and it, these, these are movies so it's 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 not real life but ever if you are if you are trying to buy in to the world of in which these movies exist mm-hmm. everything once that seal is broken once a scar joe appearance happens once a robert right. downey jr appearance happens it's everything after that is going to be specifically you're going to know it's a financial right or it, it shatters everything yeah or or like a creative decision and not something because of what the universe is in the mcu mm-hmm. and granted it's always been financial and creative decisions but this shatters the illusion and you really can no longer like 
kind of have that shield up of pretending that no the what's happening in the universe is happening because this is how it's supposed to happen yeah instead it's oh now real life decisions are creeping into how i'm watching these movies so i next want to ask you about the the choice to sort of set this within the the quantum realm um which i think is is a topic that gives us a couple different sort of small topics to branch off of quantum realm pretty boring yeah, it, it. I think my biggest problem with this this movie is ultimately like the quantum realm's kind of unimaginative, and like it both on on sort of like what I am seeing on screen, as well as like, look, we don't have to like beat beat the dead horse too hard. Of like, I I continue to be baffled at like how bad the effects in like some of these marvel movies look and there you know i've been sort of joking with people there's some there's a lot of this movie that looks real like spy kids 3d shark boy and lava girl like i I mean if you don't know what i'm talking about just look up those two movies on on youtube but like that level of like oh really like half finished effects and people that are clearly just sort of like standing in front of green screens and like pointing at at they don't even know what they're pointing at like that's what a lot of this movie looks like and even just sort of the the design of the quantum realm you know it it feels kind of like no one had an idea if that makes sense like it's all kind of like oh it looks like a lava lamp like oh what if it's just blobs and stuff that are just sort of moving around and like a floating rock and then, like, what are well, what are the the creatures like in 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 that in the people that live down there? And I I kind of brought up to you afterwards, like, it sort of made me appreciate how in like the Star Wars movies, like, there's this like, where's Waldo collage of all these different like alien species, but like, it doesn't feel random. You know what I mean? Like, it all feels like oh, each specific little creature like has its it has been carefully designed and and thought thought out as far as like well where does it come what what's the what's the lizard man's deal you know what about this like octopus creature um and this just sort of felt like randomness like i don't know what if there's um a blob who doesn't doesn't have holes on his body what Obs- if some, with holes some some guys like poking through his like salad be like billy what what do you think he's like uh uh a broccoli man and then they're like oh yeah let's it's like uh you you have you've seen the the key and peel sketch about um gremlins too right where the they come in and just like what what do you want and they're just sort of like throwing random things off the top of their head like that's kind of what this movie felt like it just sort of felt like no consideration for any of it it just sort of felt like a whole bunch of like random things thrown at the wall and then like let's let's and then that sort of adding to the movie already kind of having this like half finished sort of rushed visual look to it that i i don't know that just sort of is what kind of like drove me to the edge of being like i don't this this feels kind of like slapped together and and sort of like rushed through to make a date on a calendar and it's just sort of like i i don't even feel the the sort of 
enjoyment of investing in this anymore if it's just going to be kind of like this half-baked. Yeah, they if they're going to continue to insist on doing large portions of movies not on Earth or mm-hmm. not in actual locations, yeah, they should probably be more patient with their visual effects people and yeah. give them time to work and figure it out. Unless Marvel simply just doesn't care. That could also, I mean, yeah. they, they, that they, they seem, they seem to, they, at this point they have to know it's an issue that people are talking about and they just choose not to do anything about it. It, it, it almost feels just sort of like, we, we know you're going to show like we, yeah. we can get people to show up anyway. It doesn't like, you, we don't need to put like 15% extra effort to like have this look good. Cause we're, you know, People are just being so convinced that like the audience is just going to show show up every single time because of their relationship with with this this franchise. But it, it's it's the kind of thing that makes me worry for them about the longevity of it, because that does add up over time with like people like me that, you know, like you go back to 2018, 2019, whatnot. I would have been like, yeah, of course, I'm going to like keep up with this stuff and like these these movies, even if they're not all great, like they're still mostly pretty fun. And, you know, now being to the point of just sort of like, I don't know. I just keep being like a little disappointed by all, all, all of this. And like, they don't even look good at this point. And so like, why, why should I keep keeping up if I, I'm noticing the same kind of like de- depletion quality over time? Yeah. A lot, a lot of running in this, a lot of some slow motion running where it's just like, don't do that. Cause then it's like, <laughs> It, it it like took me out of the movie. It was like, oh yeah, they're just like running in a studio, and mm-hmm. they don't know what is actually going around around them. Right, they're just on like a treadmill, kind of like running right. in front of a a green screen background, and it's like lava lamp going yeah. by them. Blah blah blah. blah yeah, blah. it's it just like oh okay, it's like these these are actors acting. Yeah, the quantum realm just sort of feels like a bunch of like random stuff, kind of like slapped together. Um, as well as like, it all doesn't look good. But then like the third piece of it to me is like, I think the best thing about the Ant-Man movies is, you know, for as much crap as I think I sometimes give the Marvel movies about their effects, like the Ant-Man movies actually, I think have some of the best effects in the Marvel movies and particularly the way they play with sort of like scale and sort of objects being like blown up to be bigger or like when Ant-Man shrinks and all of a sudden kind of like, the real world sort of rendered like 10 times as big as it actually is. And I'm curious to whether you had kind of a similar issue with like the sort of getting big or getting small that happens in this movie. Like, like the Ant-Man powers are sort of rendered a little bit less special because like of the vagueness of the, the quantum realm, there's, there's like no real sense to be like, oh, wow, it's it's not like the first movie where it's like, oh, he's so small and, like, having to... All of these, like, um, the big, like, final battle sequence that's, like, happened in the first movie that's happening in, like, a purse, and there's, like, they're having to dodge, like, an iPhone being thrown across, like, the bag as it's, like, falling from the sky or something like that. You know, there's there's none of that kind of... It loses a certain playfulness with, like, oh, how can we you know, have fun with sort of the honey, I shrunk the kids element of, of this. Cause it all just feels like this sort of vague world where like the rules of it feel like they're kind of making it up as they go along and make me being like, wait, it, how big is he in compared to like, well, 
how big's like the walking spaceship that smiles at you and uh, you know he's small but like how small and so is am i being a little crazy with like pointing that stuff out it it just sort of like the quantum realm also made me kind of like less less wowed i think by some of the actual superpower stuff in this yeah i don't even know if it was necessarily the quantum realm it it just that he's shrinking and enlarging just like at, at random at will Mm-hmm. And at a certain in previous times that we've seen him, it was like a very specific moment where it's like, okay, I'm gonna, I have to, he has to get big, and he's only gonna be handle, he's only gonna be able to handle it for so long, mm-hmm. and we get that, yeah, um, and yeah, there's no real effort to, I, I don't, like I said, I don't even think it's like a quantum realm issue. I don't, I just think there's like no real effort to play off of the idea that he is getting really small or. Mm-hmm growing gigantic it's just these are his powers now and he's just going to do them when it, it, it when it when he feels necessary yeah um i mean how how do you feel about kind of like the larger cast of this movie i mean we mentioned evangeline lily doesn't really get anything kind of to do paul paul rudd is just sort of like dependable i guess which i i think is how i would put like michael douglas and michelle pfeiffer is like there, there's actually a lot of michelle pfeiffer in in this movie i think gets probably like the second most screen time but and you know like they're great actors so it's sort of like oh they're you know dependable even even if there's a little bit of like <laughs> michael douglas clearly doesn't know like what's going to be projected on him in the green screen background <laughs> and stuff like that at times yeah i thought Paul Rudd, Catherine Newton, and especially Jonathan Majors, solid. Mm-hmm. Didn't also they're I guess it's worth noting they're split from a lot of the movie. Right. So we have a lot of Evangeline Lilly, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michael Douglas together. Mm-hmm. Much less interested in what was going on there. Um and just thought like Michelle Pfeiffer in particular was saddled with a lot of exposition and a, really A lot of that half of the movie is kind of her just sort of having to explain things to Michael Douglas and Evangeline Lilly and them just sort of sitting there being like, hmm. Yeah, mm. right. And I'm not sure a lot of it was even necessary, but she was down in the quantum realm for 30 years, so mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's that's the situation. I just, I also just found, like, a lot of the kind of, oh, she's coming back, and, like, oh, she, some of these people recognize her and notice her, and she has, like, these relationships with people that we don't know about, and... Mm-hmm. It just it it felt really like half baked and lazy and just like these kind of side quests just to get to Kang mm-hmm. when none of the side quests are particularly interesting or fun. Um, is it a spoiler that Bill Murray's in this movie? I I was gonna I, I was gonna say let's throw up the kind of like sort of spoiler warning because like. I mean, unless you really want to, I don't think we really have a ton to talk about with like the the stingers at the end of this movie, which I think without even giving specifics on what they are, are basically just two stingers that are like, guess what? You're going to see more Kang in the next few years. Um, but yeah, I guess a sort of spoiler warning here. It's no, it was known that he like it's right. His right. casting and, wasn't. And he was a, in a one of the trailers. Like Bill Bill Murray makes an appearance that I I mean. Totally forgettable. 
if he I, gets to buy a condo in Charleston or whatever, he's do, like, sure, out of this. It 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 clearly seemed like you got Bill Murray for like one day, and he I like literally, up. I literally, I think I told you this in the theater. I literally forgot he was in the movie until his name popped up on the credits. Yeah, like he's in such an inco- inconsequential, forgettable, throwaway scene, or like in the first half of the movie yeah. before Kang comes in. That is just like here's Bill Murray. Like right. applaud for applaud because it's Bill Murray and like there is just why it, 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 it just is a whole scene that's like uh, it it just sort of feels like they kind of sweet talked him into coming in and he just kind of like vamped for a little bit and was there for a few hours and 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 left like I there you can have a great Bill Murray cameo I mean like Zombieland like yeah you, you, right. can, you can have a great Bill Murray cameo but I I mean and it's not even that he feels like he's like sleepwalking through this movie it's just such a like shrug kind of scene that it like it's not even that funny or or you know I, I, I'm trying not to like make it sound like it's sort of like the the dumb like well it didn't advance the plot sort of sort sort of argument um not saying you're making that but like <laughs> especially after having heard like weeks and weeks of people saying that about that great last of us episode mm-hmm. um but uh no it's just sort of like a kind of shrug of a scene that uh it it, it if you're gonna bring bill murray in like give give me a like home run hitting cameo and then i i guess is it a spoiler that modok the character of modok is in this movie was that in the trailers no that that so that is a surprise i believe um granted this this is out once the movie's out so this is why we do this show like the week after the yeah, movie's coming uh, out um <laughs> i yeah I, I guess we didn't really we haven't really spoken about modok i was delighted by the modok character and it is yeah it may be because i'm familiar with the character can you explain bit? this character because i was more just sort of like i i think was was struggling with the, like the fine line of like is this un is is this unintentionally ridiculous am i how seriously am i supposed to be taking this character oh, was sort of my struggle throughout the entire a, thing no it's a comedic character okay. and like the comedy in is, is that he he takes himself completely seriously but it's right. ridiculous mm-hmm. and i know this not from specifically the comic books, but because uh, Patton Oswalt voiced the mm-hmm. character in an animated series that I know was very highly regarded. Um, and so, yeah, in, in, in this iteration, this iteration of MODOK is played by Corey Stoll. Yeah, extra, extra spoiler of like, this, this was definitely whether, you know, whether or not, this definitely was not known b- beforehand. Yeah, um, so... Uh, I I thought like a kind of pitch perfect performance from Corey Stoll's face. Um, I was just so distracted the entire time about like how unsettling that looked of like Corey Stoll's. <laughs> He's just like, a giant face, right? Of uh, you know, of, for anyone who doesn't remember, like Corey Stoll plays the villain in the first Ant Man movie, Yellow Jacket, I believe that character is, and is like defeated by being shrunk down into the quantum realm. And then in this movie, we figure out um, that, you know, he has been re-engineered by Kang into this other character and his just like this giant face that it's not even a head. It's just like a giant, like stretched out face. And then he has like little baby arms and legs and is kind of like hovering around. And and what what does MODOK stand for again? It's like. 
know, make me machine mechanized, mechanized organism designed, designed only, only for, for killing. killing. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so I, I I don't know. I was just so distracted the entire time by like <laughs> this looks bad. Like the, again, Shark Boy and Lava Girl comparison. I I think it's that movie where there's like uh george lopez as as some modoc like character and it's just his face on like a screen it's like stretched out and then like these bad like cgi like arms and legs and stuff like i will send you a picture of what this looks like if you don't know what i'm talking about but that was all i could think of the entire time of just sort of like oh like uh this like doesn't even look good (laughs) like i was just sort of kind of like unsettled by kind of like how bad and like weirdly stretched out Corey Stoll's face was that I could I couldn't even like laugh at this character as like a uh, comedic relief I was just like every time he popped up I was just like oh get get this thing out of I, this is not working take this away I, I found his demise in particular to be especially charming and, and, and well done and funny but it's also it's also weird that he has any kind of really like Kang created this right creature. like why uh-huh. and like and it, it just like it almost like takes away from how seriously you take Kang because it's like, oh, he's hanging out with Modok, which like they make sure to be like Modok, like kind of kicks the shit out of him too, and like get out of here, you know, like he's right. tired of him too. But just the fact that like he associates with Modok at all is kind of just like sad. <laughs> he's kind of like his little like Igor kind of. <laughs> yeah, just it like... just it's just a weird. It's a weird dynamic, uh-huh. and it almost like takes away from the seriousness of Kang. It's like, wait, like, or why do you like need this the, guy? The what's the name of the parrot in in Aladdin? That's like Jafar's oh, yeah. little thing, little little like villain sidekick that's just there to like be like, man, <laughs> like, right? Yeah, obnoxious. It, it's I, I I really enjoy. I thought Corey Stoll knocked it out of the park. Um, but yeah, it, it certainly if if you if you are complete and I and I'm no expert on Modok, but just mm-hmm. knowing that he's like a joke character okay. help, helps a lot. Because yeah, I can imagine. Being I was just, just like, really this, we need to take this out of here. <laughs> I'm like really unsettled looking at the, this. Is like you know, it to me was like seeing the cat people and cats. It was just like we've made a, a mistake here. Technology is bad. We need to throw this away. And I don't. I don't. Is this supposed to be funny? Is this supposed to be like serious? I have no idea. So. I believe I believe the animated series is just is just Patton Oswalt's Modoc getting his ass kicked every episode by uh, the Avengers. Uh, maybe I need to check that out. Uh, as we kind of wrap it up, do you do you have any kind of like final Ant Man thoughts or any kind of final thoughts for sort of going forward in sort of this next phase five? Obviously, we kind of heard recently that like the 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 marvels the the captain marvel sequel is being pushed back um we do have the guard third guardians of the galaxy movie which you saw a trailer for during the the super bowl um which i like those movies those are actually probably like among my two favorite mcu movies so i'm as much as james gunn seems tied up in dc land these days like i'm i'm excited to see him kind of like wrap up that little corner of of this universe um i don't i don't know is it what what do you kind of have because all the other projects like i guess blade seems kind of cool but i'm i'm not even like that excited for like the next several movies they have down the line 
in the last couple of weeks since we saw this movie, uh, I was thinking about Brett Goldberg showing up at the end of uh, Thor Love and Thunder mm-hmm. um, as Hercules. And just like it really, I don't know why it took until now to really hit me of like, yeah, will we ever see him as her? Right. Like, like the, the kind of the nature of, of how, how this all works. And, and granted it was DC, but like the whole thing that would happen with Black Adam and Henry Cavill, it just, right. it feels like. Wasn't there it, one of these where like Harry Styles showed up at the end? Uh, in the Eternals. Okay. Like, are we ever, is that ever going to happen? Right. Charlie Theron at the end of oh, Doctor right. Strange. Like what, like, I don't know. It's, I want to get the, my main takeaway. All the same. My main takeaway is I want to get out of the. This is all coming. Mm-hmm. This is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I want it to eventually. And I understand you have to build characters and you have to introduce us to new sure. ones and give them give us development. But the, it just it's so much of spinning wheels mm-hmm. and sputtering and not really moving things forward. Mm-hmm. Or or teasing that we're going to move forward without actually doing it Uh, i guess i'm tired of waiting for things to happen and Mm -hmm. i want them to actually happen because in the meantime when even when the most incremental things happen it's usually not in a very good movie Mm -hmm. and i need something to i mean i thought black panther 2 was solid i really liked loki i thought that Mm -hmm. was the high point of this whole phase um that's probably the one i I didn't watch all the shows but that's probably the one of the shows that i I don't. I maybe don't love it as much as you do, but the the one show that like I would at least like be curious for a season two, which is obviously coming. Right. But like the the one show that worked for me and probably of the most recent movies, like yeah, like you said, like the Black Panther sequel and the Doctor Strange sequels, I kind of liked, but even still, like don't like them enough to defend them against all the issues I have with them. When oh, in. in- also, what dawned on me is I, I've said for a while that like even when a Marvel movie wasn't very good, there or a, pro, a Marvel show, a project, there was always like a certain level of competence, mm-hmm. baseline level, and it feels like that has now lowered. Yes, and that's really sad. Mm-hmm. Well, what, they, what I mean, what would I? Uh, we, <laughs> what, yeah, are, 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 like the next however many movies. Say we get past Guardians. Uh huh. I really don't care past Guardians. Okay, okay. Well, that's... <laughs> you can potentially weave me back. I mean, as we always bring up, like, the cards that they still have in our back pocket are, like, Fantastic Four and X-Men. Like, you you could potentially, like, I, I could be eating my words and, like, I'm, I'm fully back on board whenever, like, the X-Men get brought in. Because that, I was, like, really into the, the those characters as a kid and, like, that... That it that forget Fantastic Four like I mean Fantastic Four are really important characters but like just the X Men universe is is like this whole other like rich um like treasure chest of other like really famous like really compelling characters um that I I don't know it just sort of seems like they're kind of as you said sort of that they're trying to kind of like see who from the more kind of like which of the characters from the like previous 10 years they can kind of keep going or position as sort of the center while also kind of like teasing out and experimenting with like, all right, what about this kind of like C grade character here? Can we hook audiences into that? It, it sort of feels like a lot of like trial and error 
sort of stuff of like what what do we do next? Like we don't really have the rights to Spider Man, and like obviously Chadwick Boseman's really here. So what do we keep doing with like that Black Panther universe and like the Guardian stuff is kind of ending and like I I don't know, but it it's sort of like I would could potentially get back in when they they're they're sitting on all of these other like really interesting characters and it just sort of feels like they're kind of waiting to bring those in 2025 avengers the king dynasty yeah see, see you there hopefully maybe <laughs> uh daniel thank you for for stopping by this week uh coming up in the next few weeks uh daniel when are the oscars again hold on can't buy they're in March, right? They're in March. I just kind of keep forgetting. I, I guess I want to say <laughs> I want to say March twelfth. It's been so long. Uh, okay, so I mean, we'll have an Oscar episode here eventually. Uh, Creed three. You and I are going to go see it tomorrow. I'm hearing really good things. I'm very excited. Um, you're a big fan of the Rocky franchise. What 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 are your expectations? I I can only accept anything I, as long as it's not Rocky five. Okay, and it's supposed. To, I've yeah, it's supposed to be good. Jonathan Majors is good. I trust Michael B. Jordan. Um, Tessa Thompson always really strong performances. Uh, so I guess all that to say is I have high expectations, but yeah, the Rocky franchise, Creed franchise, very very near and dear very to my heart. To you. So yeah, I like I need it to be good. Um, and then next week we'll probably talk about uh, Cocaine Bear and creature features based on true events where a bear ate cocaine and a, died a bear yes a bear that did end eat of cocaine at some point in history and that's probably where that true story ends right there 